to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock, and yesterday we had a team meeting for the Grit and Grace Project, and you know, Julie, the entire time I'm getting text from my daughter who's giving me a blow-by-blow of her potty (laughs) training of my little grandchild, and it was pretty hysterical. My favorite part is how you were actually asking for my advice on how to help her, which, I mean, that's cute that you think I have any freaking idea of what I'm doing ever. (laughs) No, you gave it, and she's actually trying it, So there you go. Well, that's cute. Um, So you're Darlene Brock. I'm Julie Graham, um, and I am a single mom to a now four-year-old. And just in case you're curious, I have decided what his four-year-old hashtag is. And I feel like the people need to know, right? I've been waiting for that. So so before I called him the three-nager, and now we're going with Lincoln's Feisty Four. All right. So Julie, I know that you're at a place in life a couple of years ago you probably never thought you would be. Um, that is the truth. It is in lots of different ways. Yeah, but Ugh. you're a, you're a recent widow, and so Blah. you're thrust into a new world. I'm right? sorry, I can't I can't hear the word or say the word without still needing to throw up. And sometimes I wonder, will that ever go away? Yeah, I don't know. It's not a road that I've traveled. So I'm watching you do it, and I'm watching you do it well. Okay, well, that's I am. generous. <laughs> I am proud of you. All right, <laughs> I am watching you do it well. You're um, also watching me flounder a little bit. A little if we're bit, being honest. of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's part of doing it well. You got to flounder along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, you will be entering this new relationship world, probably. Um, and I wonder sometimes what that looks like and how you navigate it. I mean, if you wonder it sometimes, do you think I might wonder it a little more than just sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> and so today we've brought in someone who can just add a little uh, wisdom to that because she's. She's traversed that road, and she has traversed it well, uh, and probably watched some of her other peers who may or may not have, as we all have. So welcome, Ashby Duval. You may have read her story at the Grit and Grace Project, but if you haven't, you need to. So anyway, welcome. Glad you're with us today. Thank you so much. It's a privilege. Um, I actually would like to say, I think of Ashby as the OG of widowhood. I hope you're okay with me saying that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I just love it that she's her age and she doesn't so know. So she's okay with it because yeah. she doesn't know what it is. I yeah. am not well, cool. you're like the original gangsta. Oh, um, oh is that, I, you know is that, what? It's Every, ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. I am looking across the room at two little white blonde girls. She, gangsta is not. She's that literally the opposite of gangsta. Um, <laughs> but... Um, Obviously, knowing you um, before you lost your husband and then being friends when Mm -hmm. I lost mine and just the way that you quickly reached out to me, um, even as I was on the way to the recording studio today, I was thinking about how I'm grateful to know you because it's important for me to be able to look to women who have been through what I've been through and to one, know that I will survive Mm. and two, be able to um, just trust that if I'm patient and wise and careful, um, there may be someone in the future who mm-hmm. I could share my life with, but to be careful to not set my eyes on that as the ultimate healing. Yeah. Like you said, Julie, you hear that, that word widow and it makes you sick to your stomach. It's a club that you never wanted to be a part of. Um, it's a new normal that 
we never would have chosen for ourselves, but nonetheless, it's now a part of our story. Um, Corey Ten Boom once said that she got weary of going around talking about her experience in the concentration camp and was praying about it and felt the Lord press upon her heart. But this is the story I gave you. And so this is the story he's given us. And it's um, not something like we said we would have chosen, but we can let it define us or refine us. And I believe that you're doing a really good job of letting it refine you. Thanks, friend. You're sweet. So Ashby, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about of your story. I know you've written about it on the website, but Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit uh, today. Okay. Well, just um, a little over eight years ago, and the fact that I'll even be able to tell you this without bursting into tears is just a testimony of God's grace, um, because for the longest time I could not do that. And sometimes I still can't, um, but that's how grief is. Mm -hmm. It's its own animal. You never know when it's going to hit. And I strongly believe that when you go through something tragic, um, the pain that you feel at that time, I people say time heals everything. I think that it doesn't necessarily heal when it comes to death. Mm -hmm. I think that that pain is always there, but you learn how to live with it. Mm -hmm. And that is what has been the case for me. So eight years ago, um, my husband and I were in a hotel room. His family was visiting for Mother's Day. And we were actually, I was five months pregnant and we were actually going the next day to find out if we were having a boy or girl. So we decided to stay in town. We lived in Immokalee at the time, which is an impoverished town. 90% of the people there are in poverty. They are um, primarily uh, field workers. And so he and I were actually living out there in an Airstream trailer. And we worked at a ministry called Amigos in Cristo. And he taught English classes and did the clothing closet and the food bank. And I um, did all the public speaking and grant writing and raise the funds for it. So we were working out there together and there wasn't phone service where we lived at the time in Lake Trafford. And um, so anyway, that night we were in town and we decided that we were going to just stay there because we were going to find out if we had a boy or girl the next day. That night he said, I don't feel very good. And he was coughing a lot. So he got in the shower to kind of loosen up the congestion, went down to the front desk to get something like NyQuil or something. And he came back up and he said, baby, I don't feel good. And he dropped his knees and he literally died. I mean, his parents were in the adjoining room and his sister and brother-in-law were in the other room. And his sister was a nurse. His mom was a nurse. His brother-in-law is an EMT. They were giving him CPR. The ambulance was there within eight minutes. There was nothing to be done. He ended up having um, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is basically an enlarged heart, and all of his organs had shut down. He was a healthy young man. He just run a half marathon a couple months before. There were literally no symptoms. The symptom for that kind of disease is sudden death. Mm. And I just wanted to die right there with him. I did not think I could survive. We never spent more than 10 minutes apart from each other from the moment we were married. And, and how long had you been married? We were married 15 months at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, and I was terrified. I was about to have a baby and (laughs) it was, there were so many things. Um, just the thought of spending five minutes away from him seemed at that time, just absolutely devastating to me, much less than it could be five years, 50 years. I could not fathom that. I was in absolute shock. And I mean, I just screamed at the paramedics to fix it, (laughs) to, you know, I just, I could not process that. And, um, the next, year was really hard. And everybody said, Oh, after a year, it'll get easier. And it didn't. And I read all the grief books there were to read. I wanted to pass the test. I did not want my son to lose two parents. And so I was trying really hard to get over it, so to speak. And I remember going to a counselor and he said, you know, if you got over it, the side of heaven, then you would need counseling. You will always have this. And for some reason that set me free. I could tell you that was 
it got easier after that. Um, but there's still some days where I feel like it just happened. So Ashby, again, I cannot imagine the instant life change that that threw at you, mm-hmm. that the loss of a husband like that so quickly and, you know, tragically, you know, all of a sudden one day you're living one life, the next you're living another. And I'm sure in your grief, you were wondering what to do, what's the next step, or other people may have been saying, here's what you need to do, here's what will work through it. Um, Can you kind of give us an idea of what those were, what your thoughts were, other people's thoughts on your behalf? Absolutely. I, you know, I, I got into counseling pretty quickly, just because again, I was pregnant, and I didn't, I didn't want to be a comatose mom or someone that um, I just, I wanted him to have a happy parent, really, at the end of the day. And so I got into counseling pretty quickly. And one of the things the first counselor I saw said was, well, you just need to move back out to Immokalee in your Airstream. You need to go home and you need to, I knew right away that that was not, that counselor was not a good fit for me. And that's something I want to encourage everybody is I really believe in good counseling, but you have to find the right fit for you. And so this woman, although I'm sure she was great for many other people, for me, she wasn't because that didn't make sense to live um, in Immokalee with no phone service by myself, pregnant, pregnant, grieving. That wasn't good advice for me. And so I had to not take that. I ended up finding another counselor that was wonderful and um, very helpful. But, you know, everybody wants to help you. And that is just such an indicator of their love for you. And one of the things I'm sure you've already experienced as a beautiful young woman with a sweet little boy is that they want you to find someone else. They think that'll, that'll fix it. And although marriage is beautiful and I would love to see Lincoln have a daddy, I'm so thankful God brought a dad for my son. It doesn't fix it. And I've seen that. I was really grateful to have other widows and widowers walking in my life, um, alongside of me and, and kind of speaking that over me. And, you know, some people I saw would rush into marriage thinking it'll fix it because you, when you're in that kind of intense pain, you just want it to stop. You really do. I mean, honestly, I understood suicide for the very first time in my life because I just did not want to keep going. It was too painful. Every song I heard, every TV show I watched, I felt like every breath I took hurt. And it was just, it was painful. And I mean, thank you. I'm so thankful I was pregnant and I'm so thankful I knew that if God still had me here, it was for a reason, but I really got that mm-hmm. for the first time. And um, when people said, well, I can't wait for God to bring a new person into your life. That was hard for me to hear because I wasn't ready. And um, I had seen another friend of mine who rushed into it and he was still hurting. And so that was discouraging me for me because I thought, oh, I thought that would fix, you know, you, you know, kind of deep down what fixes pain and what doesn't. And I, I believe only the Lord can comfort you in that. But we want to find a solution, whether you're single and you've never been married and you're just dying for that experience or you're divorced and hurting and you want someone else to come alongside you or you're widowed and, and you want someone else to come alongside of you, a person can't complete you and they can't fix that for you. And so, you know, that's just my my cautionary tale is I'm married to a wonderful man. I'm so grateful for him, but it doesn't fix it. Being married to him did not tie my situation up with a pretty little bow. And that was the end of my grief journey. Mm. It still hurts. It's still hard. And now it's even a little more complicated because I don't really want to grieve in front of him. I don't want him, if the situation were reversed, I'm not sure how I would feel if he was grieving his wife in front of me. I would probably feel really awkward. And I I don't want to, it's not that I can't, he invites that, but I personally don't want to do that. Mm. And so it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard for me to understand. I don't expect him to. 
So for the people who find themselves in this place where they have lost or been divorced or, you know, uh, they're alone Mm -hmm. all of a sudden. There was someone in their life and there is not now. Mm -hmm. Um, Loneliness. Mm -hmm. You get lonely. You You know, you get lonely. So how do you fill that loneliness without looking for someone else, Mm -hmm. without looking for that other person to be your other half that Mm -hmm. you have just lost? Absolutely. Um, One of my favorite books is called The Path of Loneliness by Elizabeth Elliot. My best friend Kate calls it my don't jump book. (laughs) (laughs) I literally carried that with me everywhere for months because it's so beautiful. It's so insightful, but it talks about the gift of loneliness because you truly are um, forced to depend on God in a way that you haven't been. And loneliness can take place even within a marriage. If you've seen a marriage that's hurting or you've experienced that, Sometimes I think you can be more lonely in a marriage than not. And so it doesn't, a person doesn't necessarily fix that. And um, just addressing that issue, it's, it's, there's that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's actually in reference to being content. And it's just accepting where God has you. It's trusting that he is watching over you, that he has a plan and it's asking him to meet you in those hurting places of being lonely and um, asking for his strength and his comfort. Well, I know, obviously, I can resonate with basically everything you're saying. But then I'll also just be honest and say, of course, our stories have similars, mm-hmm. similar similar um, pieces, but then they're also very different. Um, I mean, I'll just say that there were a lot of lonely seasons in my marriage, particularly. And so now being on this side, um, having lost my husband unexpectedly, um, there's, there's just so many mixed emotions that come with that. And then of course now feeling loneliness because he's literally not here. Um, and then of course I find myself even feeling sad about the times that I felt lonely when he was here. And so working through all of those feelings, Mm. um, it's like you said, it's just the grief hits in different seasons at different times. Um, and so obviously like you being a, a woman of faith, being a Christian, um, I'm clinging to God to be, um, the way that I'm getting through this. But I mean, also girlfriend to girlfriend, what are some other practical things that, you know, um, were lifelines for you? Mm. Netflix. Okay. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Real quick, what are you watching on Netflix right now? I'm not even kidding. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm revisiting Grey's Anatomy. I stopped it for several seasons, and then I went back, and I'm like, don't tell me anything because I don't even know what season. I'm way far away, So, but it's been fun to kind of go back to that. That's funny. I mean, I'm not even kidding that I actually have started a new series, and it's like, he doesn't get to choose what we're watching. Mm. I'm watching it, and you you know what? I will watch five episodes. You know, I actually heard a widow speak on, on the radio one time, and she said, you know what was nice is she said kind of rediscovering who you are and you know when you when you're married or you're live you know, together with someone he didn't like um music in the house and that's something that she really loved and so she started playing music again in the house mm-hmm. and you know she said that she would go out to dinner sometimes with people and she would feel like a third wheel but it was just nice to have the company and she would just sort of force herself to do that I think the tendency is to be reclusive I know I went through a very dark place where I did do that and I um you know was taking sleeping pills to go to sleep and I was um just watching tv too much and my baby was little and so it was like I felt like well he doesn't know yet, but I just didn't want to see anyone. And I think it's important to go through all the steps and, um, but not stay there, force yourself out a little bit. You know, if, if you have a good friend and they invite you to coffee, make yourself go, you know, if you have a church, 
I had to make myself go to church and I, it helped. It really did. I never wanted to do it. I never wanted to go to see a counselor, but I always felt better afterwards. I would think of, remember how you felt last time and make yourself do it. Now that said, a lot of times, again, people want to see you feel better. And so you, they want to rush you or you want to rush you. You want to feel better. And so I think it's just important to grieve where you are and to ask God to hold your hand through it and talk to other people that have gone through it. You mentioned at the very beginning, you just have seen people go through it and it helped. I mean, I just wanted to talk to someone whose husband and died and be like, tell me how, what do you do? Mm-hmm. How does this work? And it's different for everybody. And you aren't, there's not a test at the end to see mm-hmm. how well you did. Mm-hmm. And um, you are, sometimes you just have to accept that this is where I am right now and that loneliness can quote unquote be a gift. It doesn't feel like it sometimes. Okay. I have a question. Mm-hmm. You were in, you and your husband worked together mm-hmm. in, in an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, did you continue in that? Did you find another mm-hmm. outlet? What did you do? Cause that's, that was really intimate. It's a lot of togetherness. Yeah. Right. It, that's a great question. Um, I loved the ministry we worked for so much. In fact, I love it so much. I'm still on the board of directors for it. I believe in it so much. But I tried to go back to work, and um, my job was public speaking. It was <laughs> encouraging other people to donate or telling them about the ministry and what we did. And I didn't know how I would feel on any given day. I could be up there where I would have normally had my husband next to me doing mm-hmm. this with me mm-hmm. and look over for him for the cue. And I mean, I would just burst into tears. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Mm. So I just got um, chills thinking of what that would even it, be like. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I almost burst into tears literally just saying it, just yeah. thinking about that. And so it's, it was very hard and, um, that was our life and I couldn't live where we lived. My whole life was different. And then, you know, Trooper was born and I thought, well, this will get better. And it, in some ways it did because it gave me a purpose outside of myself. I I had to take my eyes off of myself, which I actually think is really important, whether you have a child or not, to look to other people. Um, Another woman who started a ministry that rescues women out of human trafficking, she had lost a child. And she said, one of the ways to make the fire in your heart stop burning is to serve someone else. I ended up trying to start another career um, in another ministry, and it's I still love that ministry too. But being sleep deprived, being a first time mm-hmm. mom, trying to pump milk. Mom, oh yeah, I mean, whoever said don't cry over spilt milk? They weren't talking about breast milk because I <laughs> <laughs> I literally had pumped his bottle for the next morning and it spilled, and I burst into tears. Oh, and I will never the forget agony. the feeling of the cold tile underneath my knees on that bathroom floor. He and I were sharing a room, so I was in the bathroom trying to pump so I wouldn't wake him up. And um, I just remember bursting into tears and thinking, you know what? If the death of my husband did not send me to the loony bin, breast milk is not going to. And mm-hmm. so I realized, you know what? This is one thing I'm going to take off my plate. I'm going to give him formula and that is going to take something off. And the next thing is I'm not going to do this job right now. So I figured out how to live without working for a little while because I could not do both. I could not be a single mom, sleep deprived and show up and do a good job. So I got on a very strict budget. I you know, spent time with family. I, I just, I let myself heal. I gave myself time. And I think that that's something that we want to rush out of it and we can't. 
did you have people saying to you, no, Ashby, I really think you need the work. I think you need, like, absolutely. did you have all of the opinions and all of the oh, people? Absolutely. I mean, they want what's best for you. You know, I remember a guy, just like it was yesterday, you have an MBA. Why are you wasting your, um, your time being a stay at home mom? And that really hurt me because I really, I really love that guy, but he, um, I know he was coming from a good place. I really think because as a man, he really thought like, well, that would give me a distraction that would help me. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would, maybe that's great for you. Maybe you do need to throw yourself more into your career at that point, And that's going to help you. I mean, my caution is just don't let, don't self-medicate, you know, whether that's with, um, dating too soon or alcohol or sleeping pills or food. Um, you know, don't self-medicate, just feel it because the quicker you feel it and the quicker you, you know, just go through that process, the quicker you can heal. I mean, I had a friend who's another widow and she said, every time you go through a deeper period of grief, it's a deeper level of healing. And that really got me through that. It really kind of gave me hope every time I would go into another season of like, wow, I feel like this just happened. Do you not feel like I have gone through this grief? Surely there's not another wave coming. Surely there's not. I mean, I I should have mastered it by now, but You've got to feel that way. Totally. In fact, I would feel it coming up and I would be like in denial. I'm like, nope, nope, already dealt with that. I'm good. I've been happy for like a couple months. Um, one of the things I read was so great. And it's at the beginning, you feel like everything's dark. There's no light. And then she said, well, eventually, you know, someday you're going to be walking along. There's like a little bit of light. And then sometimes there's longer stretches of light. And she said, before you know it, most of the path is going to be light again with small bits of darkness. And I find that is really accurate with grief. Um, In the beginning, it is all dark. Mm -hmm. And you might have, I remember the first time I was driving somewhere and I was actually excited to go. And (laughs) I thought, wow, I hadn't felt that in a long time. Mm -hmm. And that was an example of a blurp of light. Mm -hmm. And now I can honestly say I'm walking in primarily light. Do I ever have those little dark blips? Absolutely. I find my son's birthday for whatever reason that is almost, I can almost count on it because I'm not just grieving for myself. And I'm, as I'm sure you can understand, you're grieving for your son as well. And I, I can kind of justify in my mind, well, he wouldn't be here necessarily for this. Maybe he'd be at work or maybe, I don't know, somewhere, but like on a birthday for your child, you know, he would be there. And it's like, I know it sounds crazy, but that day for me is really hard and I can almost count on always being kind of hard. Um, so yeah, you think you're going to be over it at certain times and then it, it hits you again. It's grief is like an ocean. Some of those waves are harder than others, and they knock you over. So we briefly touched on loneliness and some people rushing into relationships and some maybe avoiding them, Mm -hmm. you know, saying I had a good marriage or I didn't have a great marriage, so I definitely don't want to jump back in that arena. So is there any kind of predictable scenario or formula or, you know... Oh, yes, give me the formula, Ashby. Anybody (laughs) give us a great answer as to what you should or should not do and where you should or should not go in this Mm -hmm. relationship thing that you find yourself in all of a sudden Mm. again? Man, I wish there was a formula. Um, I thought for sure I would never... I never wanted to get married in the first place. And (laughs) then I was, and I had such an, a great marriage. It was short, but it was wonderful um, that I thought, well, I won the lottery once. There's no way I'm going to, you know, get married again. And to be totally honest, I was terrified of being hurt again. I did not want to even remotely take the chance of him dying again. And so I just, I really stuck my head in the sand for a long time. In fact, my son beat me to the punch and, <laughs> you know, he was actually praying for a dad. And I 
that was really hard. That was convicting. My parents-in-law, my husband who passed away, his parents were actually praying for me before I was praying for me to meet someone. Um, on the flip side of that, I think you can, like I said before, you can rush into it. You know, you get on these dating sites or, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. I'm just saying if you're like really examine your heart, ask the Lord to help you examine your heart. What are my motives here? And, um, I don't think there's an equation, but I think that you'll know when you're ready and you ask him when you're ready and you ask him to guide you in the process. Um, I really didn't want to date being, I'm first of all, extremely awkward with that guy. <laughs> I'm the slurring your words, sweaty hands, um, really awkward, can't form sentences type of person. And so um, I'm not great at dating. And I, one of my prayers was, Lord, help me not to have to date. I didn't want to do that with my son either. I mean, can you imagine like showing up to a table and being like, so I'm a widow, mic drop. So I have a three-year-old also. I mean, that was just like, I really wanted someone to know my story and I didn't want to have to go on all these dates because I knew my heart just was not up for that. And you know what you're capable of. I mean, you know yourself and just um, walk with caution is all I would say. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, I've seen both extremes. I've seen the, I'm going to avoid it for all I'm worth. And then I've seen the, I had a great marriage. I want that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I jump in and I've seen some of them work mm -hmm. and I've seen more than not, more who have not. Mm -hmm. um, just because they were trying to duplicate what they right. had often mm. or maybe look for something better than they had mm -hmm. if the relationship was bad that they were looking for something different and they thought this was enormously different mm -hmm. but then they discovered the difference were not good differences <laughs> mm -hmm. um so i i wonder uh if you is it wise to take it slowly but not run from it is it wise i don't i don't have answers right. um but you know, to a lady who's walked through it and to one who is in the middle of it, it's got to feel scary. Mm -hmm. It's got to feel like if I had a good marriage, can I do it again? Mm -hmm. um, or is this the way to fill a void that's in my mm -hmm. life? Well, we know we're all, you know, fearfully and wonderfully made. So you can't um, replicate a person. And I think that I, as my, my counselor, again, I'll refer back to this because it helped me so much. But he said, when you get married, you are going to compare them. And in my head, I thought, no, I won't. They're two different people. I won't. You do. You will. It is will happen. He was very wise to warn me of that because you're used to one thing mm -hmm. and you're used to that person and you miss that person. And you sort of, as much as you rationally know this person isn't replacing that person because that's impossible. Um, you still, there's parts of you that sort of expect it. You, you, I mean, my first year of marriage, he's an amazing man. He's an amazing father, but it was one of the hardest years of my life just to be totally transparent because Spencer was so different than him. I mean, he was just very gregarious and very, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. And I mean, it was just you're beautiful. I love you constantly. And I, I love that. It filled me up. Um, my husband now, he is, he shows love in different ways and I had to get used to that. He mm. will let me sleep in and get up with our babies or he will do the dishes and that's him showing me love. And I had to learn how to see how he was showing me love. And the first year I was expecting it to be what I was used to and it just wasn't. And it was hard. And I, I, I thought, gosh, he doesn't love me as much as this. Or, you know, you just, you go through all these different scenarios, but the longer we're married, the more I'm appreciating who he is as a person and the, what he brings to the deal and that he shows me love in different ways. And just to know when he's doing that and receive it and acknowledge it mentally, maybe not to him, but just like, okay, this is him showing me love. And 
going from there. But yeah, it's, it's very tricky. I've seen people rush into it and, you know, just try and make that person into the other person or be really upset that they aren't. And it's just not fair to your new spouse. So even just for a further backstory, tell us how did you meet your now husband Dominic. Well, it was a blind date that I did not know I was going on. I oh, had... <laughs> okay. That's a interesting. friend stepped in and went. Um... Yeah, basically, we need an intervention here. <laughs> She's not going to date. So, um, I had gone to Haiti for a missions trip, and the couple that um, called me for dinner that night, they were on the board of that ministry, and so I assumed it was to talk about that trip. So Trooper and I show up, and um, they kept going on and on about their carpenter this, their carpenter that. I was actually concerned for the wife. I'm like, she's got a crush on the carpenter. Like she was. Going, <laughs> <laughs> she that was, is amazing. I was nervous for their marriage for a minute, and then he happens to be in one of the rooms. He's literally, and the house is gorgeous. I mean, it's just incredible his skill level. And I'm like, wow, I heard their brains behind this thing. And he kind of looks over and smiles. And I'm out at, on the porch at this point, um, or the lanai, and he comes out in a completely different outfit. He's dressed really nice. At this point, Wait, like he was in work clothes when you first was got in there. Work clothes when I saw him Uh-oh. in one of the rooms. He was doing the trim work in the house. Yeah. I feel like this is the notebook. Yeah. And then he comes out and like literally like a long collared shirt and a vest. And I'm like, what the? That doesn't look like your, where's your hammer and saw this isn't working. Yeah. And the host was like very kind of nervously. Oh, Dominic says he can stay for dinner. At this point, ladies, I drained my wine glass because I thought (laughs) I'm being set up. I thought I was in my own romantic comedy, but it wasn't funny. I drained my wine glass. She said, that's amazing. And my son, so he sits next to me, and I'm like, oh, awkward. I told you I'm awkward. Like, awkward. really ridiculous. I'm sweating thinking about I'm it for you. I'm sweating right now. I'm, like, above my, my lip. Yeah. So my son comes up. He's three. He's in his, like, little red rain boots. He's like, that's my spot. And it was just, like, he jumps up really quick. And I was like, oh, this is just going from bed to worse. And anyway, over the course of the night, we ended up having a lot of people in common. He went to... um a church that I just love. Um, we both scuba dive, although I'm from Tennessee and he's from Canada. There's no real That good makes reason. no sense whatsoever. None no. at all. And so it was just funny because he had actually prayed for a wife that would scuba dive so he didn't have to give up that hobby or that he could do it, you know, frequently <laughs> without guilt. Random. So it was just very random and I just drove away dumbfounded. Like, how did that even happen? And so, yeah, that's how we met and he called me and asked me if he could take Trooper and I miniature golfing for our first date. Both and of you. Both of us. That, hey, that's a class act. It you, was a class act. So yeah. I find that interesting, though, because I've already had people say to me, you know, if you're going to date, you can't let your son mm-hmm. meet this person for six months. And my first thought is, well, who came up with that rule? And right. why is it six months? I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy to follow the rules, I mean, in life, but where did that <laughs> that's time a great come from? question. I think had it been anyone else, I would have adhered to that 100% because there's no way. I mean, it's hard enough dating when it's just you. You bring a kid into it. There are so many layers to that, and you don't want them hurt. And I think that's such an awesome point. Um, one of the things I really prayed was that – Um, I would know them and they would know me. And I know that makes no sense, but I didn't want to have to explain my story to them. I kind of wanted them to know what they were getting into. And then I didn't want to have to spend a really long time trying to figure out who this person was. Are they dangerous? Are they not? That's why for me, I couldn't do the internet dating thing just because I I needed to know more. And um, what was crazy is I meet him and I go to my friend's house a couple days later and I'm talking one of my best friends in the world. She and her husband both are just amazing people. I would love my family to look like their family. And she said, um, hey, I've got this guy for you to meet. And she tells me his name and her husband pops his head in. No, no. 
He's no, uh, no, he's not good enough for Ashby. Are you kidding me? Don't do, no, don't just forget that Ashby. Just forget it. And I said, well, you know, it's funny you bring this up because I just met this guy and I don't know if it's going anywhere, but you know, and I say, she goes, what's his name? I said, well, it's Dominic. And she goes, Duval. I said, yeah. She goes, we love him. You know, people that I love and trust know him and trust him. So for me, it was okay to do that. And again, the couple that introduced us, they, you know, they're the salt of the earth. So I, I guess it was just the source of it, mm-hmm. but I think you're right. I think it would be under normal circumstances. I probably wouldn't have done that. Interesting. I think what I'm hearing from you, Ashby, in general is, you know, the timeline isn't predictable. Mm-mm. Okay. But Allow yourself, whether it is divorce, and you know, I think we forget that you have to grieve after a divorce Absolutely. too. That mm-hmm. you have to realize you lost what you thought was going to be. That where you started did not end up happening, mm. and so you have to grieve that loss. Or as widows, you have to grieve that as well. I think the first thing is allow yourself time to grieve. Mm. Don't jump into anything in the middle of grief. Mm. Work through it. And then I love, you know, no, I, for me, I would think someone who knew your story, I would get so tired to tell my story mm-hmm. that if you found somebody who already knew it, you're mm-hmm. halfway down the road because they know what they're walking into. Mm-hmm. They're getting the whole meal deal before they even walk in the room. So they know it. So you don't have to start uh, layering it. You know, in order of um, most traumatic things to your brain, divorce is actually first, um, betrayal second death third. I think it's um, changing jobs fourth and moving fifth. And those could be reversed. I'm not exactly, I can't remember exactly right, but I know that the divorce and the betrayal actually precede death and what's most traumatic to your brain. And so I think it's really important what you said that a divorce causes just as much grief. It's the death of a dream. Whether you're widowed or divorced, you thought you were going to end up somewhere other than you did. Mm -hmm. And it's important to allow your mind and your heart time Mm -hmm. to process that. Did you learn that in your research? Like, was that part of, you know, as you're trying to figure out how to process all of these things, I I need to know what's happening to me so I can understand it. I'm a student. I love learning. And I wanted to pass the grief test. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be done with it. Now I've learned there's no such thing. You know, it's a process and it's something you'll probably always deal with your entire life, Mm -hmm. um, which that might be encouraging to you or discouraging to you, but that's just honest. And so once I have the information, then I can kind of go forward. I was listening to... um, Jamie Ivey's podcast the other day and she had on um, Jen Jett who had recently been through a divorce and I just I sat outside of my child's child care mm-hmm. <laughs> weeping in the car listening to this woman talk about the mm-hmm. pain of her divorce mm-hmm. um, and, and it was literally like a cleansing feeling because it was like okay what she has experienced has been very different mm-hmm. and yet as she's describing it, it feels very much the same. And mm. so even just kind of hearing you say that, um, you know, as far as brain response to these kinds of things, there are a lot of similarities. That actually gives me some, um, it helps me to feel less crazy, which I could always use, you know, <laughs> something to help me feel a little bit less crazy, but also, you know, getting to hear you share from your real life experience, not that you're on the other side of it, but of course you are further down the road. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you just being willing to share from the hard places, but also from a place of being able to be encouraged. And then, you know, I I was married for 11 and a half years. A lot of those years 
were difficult in my marriage. I have friends who are happily married. I have friends who have never been married and are grieving that, mm-hmm. the the loss of a dream as we've kind of talked about. And then I now, you know, realize how many friends I have that have also been through this shock of widowhood. And I think that there's something that we all share and it's the desire to, to share our life with someone, mm-hmm. which I think is a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. But what I'm learning in this season is that even though that's a healthy desire to try to rush that process is not going to do me or a potential future husband any good, certainly not my son any Mm. good. So I think it's healthy as women to have real honest conversations with other women that are in our lives that God has put there for a reason so that we can learn from one another. We can be honest with with one another um, and then just be willing to walk and talk these hard things with each other. So I appreciate you ladies, I don't know, sort of forcing me to be willing to have this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, I did see a few gulps and big eyes over there. This is the quietest I've been on a podcast in a while, right? right? I got to talk a lot this time, didn't I, Julie? So that's all you have to do is bring the really hard conversations and I won't talk the whole time. There you go. (laughs) We've got the new formula. So, I mean, I just want to say to our listeners, just thanks for being willing to listen to a conversation about this. And our hope, our prayer is certainly that you never have to experience the grief and the trauma of widowhood. But our show is for women who are single married or single again. And you um, you might find yourself in that position for one reason or another. And our hope would be that this would be an encouragement to you, that you will have the grit and the grace necessary if you experience something like this. Um, and that at the end of the day, focusing on your actual heart healing before looking to another relationship is absolutely 1000% the way to go. So you're right on there, Julie. Good job. Remind me. I said that when you're crying about being single and all of that, I will, I'll, I'll for play real. it for you <laughs> when I'm eating all of the ice cream, being lonely. I'll play it I back. mean, cause let's be real. I'm doing that too. <laughs> so anyway, Ashby, we are so glad you joined us and, and appreciate the fact that you're willing to share A difficult story, um, even how many years later, it's still a challenging story and will be um, the rest of your life. But I love what you said about there is more light now than darkness. Mm -hmm. And I think that is our hope, Mm -hmm. even though we still will have times of sadness, no matter what we're grieving, Mm -hmm. uh, we will, as time goes on, have much more light, much more joy, much more happiness. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you so much. We'll, of course, link in the show notes several articles that you'll want to read that follow up with this. Um, Of course, Ashby's uh, four-part series that she has written specifically for the Grit and Grace Project, sharing her journey and her story. Um, We have an incredible article about grief um, that I will absolutely put at the top of the show notes. Um, I think it's at 5,000 shares now, darling. I don't know if I've told you that yet. Um, Super helpful for me, and I'm sure it might be helpful for someone else grieving for a variety of reasons. So always be sure to check the show notes. There's always hidden gold on those pages. And of course, if you know somebody who could benefit from listening to this episode, please go ahead and text it to that friend right now. Because again, we think this would be something that could really bring some light to someone who might be sitting um, in some darkness of grief today. So thanks as usual for listening to this Grit and Grace Life. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project online magazine. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or streaming the show, be sure to take a couple moments to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss the next episode. You can also share the show with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us. 
Every week we share all the details on everything we discuss in the episode at thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll catch you on the next one.